is from Matthew chapter 15. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he is not honoring his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrite. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Then the disciples came to him and said, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard the saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Misophobia. Misophobia. Phobia is a fear. So what is misophobia a fear of? Fear of missing? Nope. (laughs) Misophobia is a fear of germs. It's a fear of germs. We all developed a bit of misophobia during the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, the Center for Disease Control made clear that hand washing is the most effective way to prevent the spread of communicable diseases. And reminders seem to appear everywhere around us. Wash your hands. And so as we approach today's passage, we might be tempted to think that the Pharisees might have a little bit of misophobia. Maybe they're kind of like the CDC and they've been posting their notices everywhere. Wash your hands. They're busybodies who are concerned so about germs and about the fact that Jesus and his disciples are eating their food with unclean hands. But that's not what's going on here. The concern of the Pharisees had nothing to do with hygiene, but it had everything to do with haughtiness. They weren't concerned about purity. Their concern was all about their pride. You see, at the center of the Jewish law are the five books of Moses, the Pentateuch, the first five books of our Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But over time, commentary on the law, on the Pentateuch, was was given to spell out the details or the implications or the applications of the law that we found within the law. So, for example, in Matthew chapter 12, 
Together, we studied a controversy about exactly what does it mean to obey the fourth of the Ten Commandments, which in Exodus 28 is, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. And we saw a controversy in Matthew chapter 12 where the question was, well, what does that mean? What exactly does it mean to keep the Sabbath day holy? What does that look like? What should you do? What should you not do? And so the oral law or the Mishnah rose up around the law to talk about how do you apply the law? How do you live out the commands of the Scripture? Now, the problem was that over time, all of those interpretations, all of those applications, all the traditions around how you're supposed to live out the law, they came to be regarded as authoritative. In some cases, as authoritative as the law itself, and in other cases, almost more authoritative than the law itself. So, as we've already seen in Matthew's Gospel, when Jesus comes into conflict with the Pharisees and the scribes, He's not coming into conflict with God's law itself. He's coming into conflict with the Mishnah, with the oral law, the commentaries, the the traditions that had grown up around the law, which the Pharisees strictly taught and practiced. And, And you see, the problem was that the Pharisees had come to love these traditions so much that they no longer loved that to which the traditions pointed. You see, this would be comparable to a man. Imagine a man who loved his wedding ring. He loved his wedding ring so much that he was regularly showing off his wedding ring. And over and over he told the story of how they came to pick this particular wedding ring for him to wear. And he tells the story of the day that he received the wedding ring. And he regularly waxes eloquent about the meaning of the wedding ring. This ring, like, a, like our love, is a circle. It has no beginning and no end. However, this man who celebrates his wedding ring also ignores his wife. He regularly speaks about the ring, but he never speaks about her. He cherishes the ring while he treats his wife poorly. He worries about losing the ring, but he doesn't worry about the well-being, the wants, or the needs of his wife. Friends, that man, we'd say, had come to love the token more than the truth to which it pointed. We'd say that he's come to love the representation more than the reality. He's come to love the symbol more than the substance. Friends, there's nothing wrong with a wedding ring. There's nothing wrong with traditions or symbols, but the point is they all point to something beyond themselves. The ring points beyond itself. The traditions point beyond themselves to the law. And if you come to love the traditions, the tokens, the shadows, more than the reality to which they're pointing, something's wrong. So understand, traditions, church, traditions are not inherently bad. I mean, some traditions are more biblical than others, and many traditions or customs are just morally neutral. So tradition itself is not bad, but traditions are supposed to point beyond themselves. Jesus isn't against here having any tradition. Friends, traditions can actually be a wonderful thing. I mean, you may have actually heard the saying, tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. See, traditions can pass on a living faith. In fact, we receive from those who went before us traditions, a living faith. 
And traditions can serve us to pass along a living faith to the next generation. However, we need to remember that the traditions are just forms and they have a function. They're pointing to a living faith. The, the traditions have to keep pointing beyond themselves to something living. But traditionalism is when we love and we cling to the forms even when the forms no longer function. Instead of be, um, being a means to an end, the traditions become the ends in and of themselves. In other words, we come to love the wedding ring while we no longer love the one to whom the ring points. That's traditionalism. And even worse than that happening, what was going on here with the Pharisees is that rather than practicing all of these traditions to point to God, instead the Pharisees had begun practicing the traditions to point to themselves. You know, for example, the hand washing, which is what where the controversy starts today, the Old Testament law did not require multiple ceremonial hand washings of everyone. Exodus chapter 30 and 40 require only the Jewish priests to wash their hands in a ritual way before they served at the altar. Again, it wasn't about hygiene, it was about holiness. However, the Pharisees, they followed a tradition by which they said, look, we're living by the more strict priestly standards because we're holier. And so for them, they were ritually washing their hands before morning prayer and before meals. And they were following such traditions. And friends, it made the Pharisees look really spiritual. It made them look really good. However, first, it was never commanded of them by the Lord. And second, they weren't using the tradition to point beyond themselves to God. They were practicing the tradition to point to themselves. You see, the tradition was being used not to say, hey, how great is our God? The tradition was being used to say, hey, how great I am. Look at me. The the Pharisees weren't concerned about being good, but about looking good. They weren't concerned about honoring God, but receiving honor themselves. And church, how and when are you and I guilty? of doing the same thing. Adhering to these traditions, the Pharisees may have looked more spiritual to themselves and to others, but they clearly didn't fool Jesus. Now, as we already seen in Matthew's Gospel, again, when Jesus comes into conflict with the Pharisees and scribes, it's not over the law of God itself. It's over all these traditions that have grown up around the law. Because, friends, you need to understand the moral law of God has not and will not and does not change. Because God doesn't change. God is. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change, so His moral law does not change. So Jesus' problem here is not with obedience to God's unchanging moral law. It's that these Pharisees have elevated their traditions, their practices, above the law itself. You know, we even sang this morning, we will trust God's word alone where his perfect will is known. Our traditions, they shift like sand, but his truth forever stands. So friends, we want to stand firmly and unyieldingly in the unchanging truth of God's word. However, hold loosely to these traditions, the human applications of and traditions around that law. You know, for example, you know, there's traditions. Traditions about how do you dress for church? The type of music that we sing in church. What instruments are acceptable 
for worship. What should women wear? Should they always have to wear a dress? Can men grow beards? Can Christians play cards? Can Baptists dance? No, you can't. You're laughing because you know you can't. You can't even keep rhythm on the or singing. I mean, really. So, no, no, no. But friends, we need to hold loosely. We need to hold loosely to shifting human applications of and traditions around the law. And Jesus warns the Pharisees, he says, you've taken these traditions and you, that were around the law, you've made them as important, if not more important, than the law itself. And more dangerously, Pharisees, you're following your traditions in a way that's actually violating God's law. Instead of encouraging obedience, your traditions are, have become an excuse for disobedience. And that's what Jesus points out in verses 3 through 6. Jesus quotes the fifth of the Ten Commandments there in verse 4. Honor your father and your mother, which is Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Then he quotes for us Exodus 21, verse 17. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. There's a good scripture memory verse, kids. Jesus says, yeah, you can take that, John Tommy. Jesus says, these are the clear commands of God. Yet, not only are your traditions not leading you into a living faith, by your traditions, you've actually voided and avoided God's commands. And what Jesus is talking about when he talks here about taking care of your parents and respecting and honoring your parents, he's talking about the tradition of korban, as it's um, described to us in Mark chapter eleven, verse uh, Mark chapter seven, verse eleven. Korban is the technical term, and it's to make a vow that something is given to God. It was a formulaic vow that said, I've dedicated this object or this money to God. Now, the thing you have to understand about that is that you could take the vow, and that object was now dedicated to God, but you didn't actually have to offer it to God right then. What it meant was, now this money or this this gift, this thing, this item is... is you know, set apart for God so you can't have it. It's as if it was an offering. And the Pharisees are arguing from the letter of the law. They're like, well, according to the law of vows in Numbers 30, I mean, if you took that vow, even if your parents are in financial need, well, clearly you have to honor that vow. And Jesus rejects the idea of using one part of the law to negate another. He says in verses 5 and 6, he says, if anyone tells his father or his mother what you would have gained from me is given to God, He need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you've made void the word of God. He says, listen, you're practicing your traditions in such a way that rather than encouraging greater obedience to God's word, your interpretations are being practiced in such a way that actually benefits you and makes you look good while avoiding obedience to my word. And he says, there's a word for that, guys. The word is hypocrite. And that's what we find in verses 7 through 9 when he quotes for us from the prophet Isaiah. You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of man. Friends, the Greek word hupokritos is where we get our word hypocrites. And in ancient Greece, A hypocrite was literally a stage actor. 
or a character. A hypocrite is somebody pretending to be something other than what he or she is. And so he says, Pharisees, you're actors. You're hypocrites. You're pretending that you follow God's will. You're pretending that you care about God. You're practicing these traditions and you're pretending that you're using them to draw close and to help other people draw close. But you're actually doing it all to point to yourself, to benefit yourself. And in fact, more than that, it's causing you to avoid obeying my actual laws. You're doing it all for yourselves just to be seen. And Jesus has already warned against this kind of religion. You might remember back in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, he says, Beware. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. You see, the Pharisees, they were just trying to be seen by others. They were seeking to be praised by others. They were practicing this. And then because they looked so good, they were looking down as holier than thou on others. They claimed to adhere to God's law more than the common person because, look, we do all these things. In fact, things on top of things. And Jesus pulls the mask off and he goes, you know what? The law of God is not at the heart of anything that you do. You've come to love the wedding ring more than the one to whom you're supposed to be married. You aren't trying to get applause for God. You're doing it all to get applause for yourself. You're actors. You're hypocrites. You're not concerned with loving Him. You're concerned with loving yourself. And church, let that never be said of us. Let that never be said of us. Let our practice not devolve into mere performance. Let our audience never be the crowd, but the Creator. Let our traditions never become the ends, but a means to the ends of knowing and obeying and giving glory to God alone. Church, when people walk away from us, let them not say, what a great person Adam is. Let them say, what a great God Adam served. Now Jesus turns to the crowd And he offers a proverb to explain everything he's teaching here in verse 11. It's not what goes in the mouth that defiles the person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles the person. So Jesus turns everything inside out. Church, this statement would have been revolutionary because it threatened to undermine the entire Jewish system of distinguishing between ceremonially clean and unclean. That's why Peter freaks out and asks for a clarification in verse 15. Because this is so ground-shaking that Peter wants to make sure that he understands correctly. Now, friends, the teaching of Jesus did ultimately serve as the foundation for the inclusion of the Gentiles in the early church. You can read about that in Acts chapters 10, 11, and 15. and, And about these ceremonial laws and the ultimate inclusion of the Gentiles. But here, I believe Jesus' point, all he was doing was teaching and giving us this proverb to say, Hey, listen. True defilement is not a problem of your diet. It's a problem of your heart. 
He wanted them to understand true defilement is not a problem of the diet, but a problem of your heart. He was turning things inside out. He says humanity's greatest problem is not what goes into the stomach, but what comes out of the heart. The Pharisees were so concerned with the external, they'd neglected the internal. And we find um, Jesus' teaching here offended the Pharisees, verses 12 through 14. The Pharisees are offended, and we find Jesus is really not bothered in the least. Church, Jesus has never been concerned with popularity contests or opinion polls. And he still isn't. And the fact is, the self-righteous and the unrighteous will both equally be offended at the truth of Christ. Church, the self-righteous and the unrighteous will both equally be offended at the truth of Jesus Christ. However, like Jesus, will we be faithful to speak it anyway? And Jesus responds to the Pharisees in all of their offense in verse 13. It says, He answered, Every plant that my Heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Friends, this is the exact same language that we heard in the parable of the weeds and the wheat. In Matthew 13, Jesus told the parable of a field planted with wheat, but when the plants finally began to grow, the weeds were discovered growing amongst the wheat. And so then we pick up the parable in Matthew 13, verse 27. And the servants of the master of the house said to him, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy's done this. So the servants said, Well, do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No. Lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. So just like in this parable, Jesus here calls the Pharisees weeds. They're weeds scattered by the enemy. And he says the weeds will one day be rooted up. So Jesus for now directs his followers, leave them alone. Understand, church, Jesus isn't saying that we shouldn't preach the gospel or warn of judgment. Jesus isn't saying that we shouldn't correct and rebuke false teaching. Jesus is reminding his followers that no matter what you do or say, some people are going to persist in their blindness. And other people will follow those blind guides, and all who do are eventually going to end in a bad end. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught in chapter 7, verse 6 of Matthew, don't give to dogs what's holy. Don't throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Jesus warned his followers. He says, hey, listen, you should not hypocritically or unfairly judge. However, you also shouldn't ignore a persistent unwillingness to listen. Not everyone is interested in hearing the truth. Some are not looking for answers. They're just looking for a fight. And Jesus says you don't have to keep fighting. If they're not looking for answers... If there's no willingness to consider, if there's no desire to change like these Pharisees, then go ahead and leave them alone. People like the Pharisees who defiantly and deliberately and repeatedly reject and harden themselves against the gospel message, leave them alone and entrust them to God in prayer. And eventually, the weeds will be uprooted. Eventually, the blind will fall into a pit. Eventually, the truth will be made evident to all. And finally, Jesus explains the parable fully to his followers in verses 17 through 20. He says, don't worry about what you eat. 
and then is passed out of your body. To be frank, Jesus says, don't worry about the potty, worry about your potty mouth. Verse 18, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles the person. You see, again, Jesus is turning things inside out. Jesus points us to the heart of the issue, and it's not diet, it's the heart. The heart of the issue is the human heart. What comes out of the body gives evidence of what you've eaten, and what comes out of the mouth gives evidence of your heart. And that is what's most important, he says. God is concerned with the state of your heart. And that which comes out of our hearts, friends, indicates defilement. Jesus says, what's found in the heart? Verse 19, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. And do you know what this list is? Friends, this list is actually the 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth commandments. In verse 19, after mentioning evil thoughts, we find murder, which is the 6th commandment. Adultery and sexual immorality, which is the seventh commandment. Theft, which is the eighth commandment. And finally, false witness and slander, which is the ninth commandment. And remember, Jesus began all of this in verses 4 through 6 by pointing out how the Pharisees were guilty of breaking the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. So Jesus' point is, he goes, look, look at you guys. Look at what's coming out of your hearts and your life. You claim to be loving me and following my law with your hand washing and your vow taking. But by your traditions, you're voiding and avoiding all my commandments. And everything that's spilling out of your mouths and out of your lives is actually a violation of the commandments. Do you think that more hand washing is going to fix your problem? Do you think that more hand washing is going to fix your problem? This isn't an outside-in problem. Friends, this is an inside-out problem. If you want clean hands, What you need is a cleaned heart. And friends, the gospel, the good news is that that's exactly what Christ has come to bring us. The Lord had promised through the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 36, starting in verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit Spirit I'll put within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Friends, Jesus is the fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy. He's come to give us clean hands and give us new hearts to put His Spirit within us so that what comes out of our hearts is clean and obedient. Friends, Jesus is the answer to the prayer that you and I sang this morning. We sang a prayer. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. We sang in prayer the words of Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. And Jesus says all the law and the rituals and the ceremonies and the traditions, they were never meant to make you look good or feel good. They're actually meant to point to the fact that you're not good. And then they point you to the one who can make you good. Friends, the gospel, the good news is not that Jesus came to give us instructions or rituals or formulas or traditions by which we could now do good. 
The Gospel is that Jesus came to give us new hearts, a new spirit to make us good. The Gospel is not self-help. The Gospel is divine transformation. So friends, if you've come here today trying to be good, washing your hands, clinging to religious rituals and traditions that might make you look good to others or even make you feel good, put down the soap and reach out to the Savior. And there are those that would love to talk to you and pray with you following the morning service. And church, maybe you find yourself struggling with these things. Maybe you still find spilling out of your heart in many ways these things that Jesus listed. Evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Church, cry out to Him. Cry out to Him for forgiveness and for cleansing because the Gospel is what we opened the service singing. That our sins, they are many, but His mercy is more. Ask for His Spirit within to transform you. Invite Him to change you from the inside out. And church, don't be afraid of engaging traditions that help keep you connected to Christ. Don't let this conversation about traditions move you away. Traditions are not all bad. In fact, many are good. But those traditions have to point us beyond themselves to the Savior. Traditions can't ever become performance. They must lead us to transcendence. Traditions can never become the ends, but the means to see and to know and to obey Christ better. So church, engage traditions that connect you to Christ because Christ alone is the one who can change us from inside out. So friends, today, are your hands clean? Are your hearts pure? And would you like them to be? Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for the offer to give us clean hands and to give us pure hearts. Because we can't do it on our own. So Lord, put Your Spirit within. Remove from us the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. May we trust in Christ alone changed by Him alone, and live for His glory alone. In the name of Jesus, we ask this all. Amen.